Hello and welcome to the Proxmo Podcast, your weekly update of all things energy, infrastructure, and project finance globally. I'm your host, Maura Murphy, reporting to you from New York. Today is Monday, August 8th. Starting us off today is in mining. A joint battery venture of Toyota and Panasonic will buy lithium from Ioneer's Rhyolite Ridge mining project and use that metal to build electric vehicle batteries in the U.S. The binding supply deal is the second in less than a month for Ioneer and a strong vote of confidence in a project that is racing to be the first U.S. source of battery metal in decades. Under the terms of the deal, Ioneer will supply 4,000 tons of lithium carbonate annually for five years to Prime Planet Energy and Solutions, which was formed by Toyota and Panasonic in 2020 to better compete with the battery market leader, Contemporary Amperex Technology. Supplies are slated to begin in 2025, a timeline that depends in part on Ioneer obtaining financing and permitting. The deal includes a commitment from PPES that Ioneer's lithium will be used to build EV battery parts inside the United States for the EV US market. PPES, which is based in Japan, has reportedly been considering building a battery plant in Western North Carolina. A proposed expansion of the US EV tax credit would require that lithium and other EV materials be sourced domestically or from allies starting as soon as next year. That potential change, which is under debate in Congress, has shown a spotlight in the nascent U.S. development plans of battery and automakers. The amount of lithium that Ioneer will supply, PPES, is enough to make batteries for about 150,000 EVs annually, though that figure would vary depending on design and other factors. Also in the U.S. this week, Climate Adaptive Infrastructure and Meridian Clean Energy have formed a strategic partnership and announced their first investment. The partners will acquire a 25% interest in the Sentinel Energy Center, an 850-megawatt peaking power plant in Riverside, California. Sentinel Energy Center operates eight large turbines in Southern California with a quick start capability. In Texas this week, Watbridge Energy has closed a hold co-financing of $250 million in secured notes to fund the continued expansion of its fast start peaking platform. EIG has led the investment, with Fiera Infrastructure Private Debt and affiliates also investing in the notes. Proceeds will support the development of an additional 480 megawatts for the Texas grid, and upon completion will increase Wattbridge's capabilities in ERCOT to 2,300 megawatts. As with all Wattbridge projects, Pro Energy will construct, operate, and maintain each plant as a true turnkey power solution, including the engine, package, and complete balance of plant systems. Moving into Latin America, Enel Chile has signed an agreement to sell its 99.09% stake in power transmission company Enel Transmission Chile to Sociedad Transmisora Metropolitana and its controlling company Inversiones Grupo CESA for an equity consideration of 1.345 billion, equating to an enterprise value of 1.526 billion. Enel was advised by Rothschild on the sale and Grupo Seesa by Bank of America Securities. Brookfield, Elecnor, Ferrovial, Interchile, and Transelec were among the other parties interested in the assets. Transmission Chile operates 683 kilometers of transmission line and manages 60 substations in Santiago's metropolitan area. The transaction will be carried out as a full takeover bid following regulatory approval from Chile's antitrust authority, FNE. 
The closing of the transaction, which will include repayment of intercompany loans, is expected by the end of the year. Inversiones Grupo Ceesa is the second largest electricity distributor in Chile, operating 63,476 kilometers of distribution lines, 2,280 kilometers of transmission line, and 75 substations. Ontario Teachers Pension Plan and Alberta Investment Management Corporation each have a 50% stake in the company. In fact, Enel has been very busy in LATAM this past week because Enel Colombia has also secured 411 billion in Colombian pesos, about 94 million USD, sustainability-linked loan from Banco Colombia to finance transmission, public lighting, and distributed generation projects. The company has allocated $229 billion for the construction of electrical substations in Cundinamarca to reduce technical energy losses in the distribution network. A further $83 billion will be used to modernize public lighting in Bogota, including installing LEDs for 60,000 lighting points and the addition of a further 4,000 points. The smart system is expected to reduce the annual consumption of electricity by 50%. In addition, $98.9 billion will be invested in the construction and operation of 13 solar systems and a combined 37 megawatts for eight non-regulated clients, enabling a reduction of their energy consumption in the network by up to 20%. Moving from Latin America to a transcontinental country, Mazdar has reached financial close on its 230-megawatt Garada PV solar project in eastern Azerbaijan with backing from DFIs. The $114.2 million financing is being provided by the EBRD, ABB, JICA, and the Abu Dhabi Fund for Development. The borrower is Mastar Azerbaijan Energy, which is fully owned by the Abu Dhabi Future Energy Company. The project is the first privately owned utility-scale solar power project in Azerbaijan to reach financial close. Once operational in 2023, the plant's 230 megawatts of renewable energy will generate up to 558 gigawatts of electricity, reducing annual CO2 emissions by up to 265,000 tons. The deal will not be a one-off. Mazdar has signed agreements with Azerbaijan's Ministry of Energy to develop clean energy projects with a combined capacity of 4 gigawatts in the first phase and the right to develop an additional 6 gigawatts in the second phase. Mazdar signed two implementation agreements in June, one relating to the development of 1 gigawatts capacity of onshore wind projects and 1 gigawatt of PV solar the second covering integrated offshore wind and green hydrogen projects with a capacity of 2 gigawatts. Moving to South Asia, Pakistan's power division has decided to abandon the 300 megawatt imported coal-based power plant at Gwadar and replace it with a solar plant. The government has decided not to install any new power plant based on imported fuel in the future. The project was originally conceived under the CPEC and the government is planning to negotiate with China for installation of the replacement solar plant at the same capacity as the coal-fired plant. The original project was approved in 2016 on a fast-track basis, but has yet to reach financial close and start construction. The government has also decided to convert the Port Kasim, Saival, and China Hub power plants, each with 1,320 megawatts of capacity to operate on local coal. The conversion would require an investment to recalibrate the boilers to operate on Thar coal. 
the initiative is being taken to scale down to the fuel import bill and reduced reliance on imported fuel for power generation. In the first 11 months of 2021 to 2022, the cost of importing fuel reached 20 billion. And lastly for today is a quick note and a bit of self-promotion for Proxima. My colleague Maisie Clark wrote a great piece this past week on the challenges of hiring for U.S. project finance. A significant number of North American project finance banks have been struggling to hire at both senior and junior levels. Now, you may know the resurgence of project finance market following the pandemic, coupled with the increase in energy transition and renewables projects to fulfill global net zero targets, has sparked expansion amongst many of the project finance teams. Now, the trend of post-pandemic musical chairs among senior roles that we've seen in Project Finance Bank continues, and the Great Resignation has had a significant role to play in the mass shakeup of senior roles. And even if pandemic pondering did lead to resignation, it facilitated time for a prolonged period of reflection and reprioritization, which goes some way to explaining the liquidity of the senior job market. Hiring is the priority, but the liquidity means that retaining new hires is challenging at best and nigh impossible at worst. Now, if you're curious about what's going on in the market, you can follow along with my colleague Azim Pervez, who's been hosting a monthly Market Move podcast um, that is getting its own stage in the coming weeks. So please do keep an eye out for that. So to hear more about this or any of these stories, please do visit us at proximoinfo.com. Until next week.